Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. On this week's episode, we hear again from Pastor Jaina as she continues the series, Are We an Axe Church? Well, good morning, church. It is so good to be here. I am so grateful that I get to share today. We've been talking about Acts, and we're talking about what it looks like to be a church of the New Testament, an Acts church, and what in our lives need to shift and adjust so we look more like an Acts church. And uh, last week, we talked about baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it was um, a great time. I had heard testimonies of people just getting filled with the Spirit and God moving in their lives. One person in particular came up to me and said, that they were filled with the Spirit and began speaking in tongues right away. And then they said, I'm just so happy. I just, I can't explain it. I'm just so happy. And I said, well, that was another evidence, was joy. And then he said, and then I, this week I prayed with a coworker and I never do that. And I said, well, that was another evidence, boldness. And so it was really fun as he just started unraveling his week. I was like, yay, God, you're so good. Um, And then Fields of Faith was this week. How many people attended that that's here? We got some. All right. Heard it was amazing. Many came to Jesus. It's exciting. Things are happening in Fargo, North Dakota. God is on the move. And so this week, as I've prepared for this, I've been reading a lot and reading a lot of good things. I'm going to talk about the works of God through Acts, that he did um, miracles, he did signs, and he did wonders and acts. And um, as I was preparing this, it's so hard to say, I'm just going to pick these few. So we're going to like fasten your seatbelt for a moment. This is going to be a very fast flight <laughs> today because I'm going to run through a lot of scriptures. So if you're a note taker, you're going to love today. I'm going to hit a lot of scriptures, but I want to highlight a number of ways of miracle signs and wonders. By no means am I hitting them all. There were so many more that took place. But I want you to take note, as these new believers in Jesus, they're filled with the Spirit in Acts 2. We talked about that last week. And we talked about how they were filled with power and that they were, began speaking in tongues and they began proclaiming the gospel boldly and thousands were added to the church. Now let's go on. We're gonna see what God does as these new believers are walking out. They're discipling many. Many are getting saved. And what does that look like for us? As I'm going through these scriptures, I want you in your heart asking the question, what does that look like in Fargo, North Dakota? What does that look like for me personally? What does it look like to be so full of God that we see our shadows healing people? What does that look like for me? And so I just want to challenge us today that um, as we're reading and looking through the scriptures, that you're asking yourself just in a personal way, God, I want more. As I've been studying this, all I can say is I just want more, and I want to be more like an Acts church. I want to see thousands added to the church daily. They don't all have to go to Burning Hearts. I know we don't have enough seats. But if thousands were added, you know, the city could be saved so quickly, the question is raised in the Old Testament, can a, city be, can a nation be saved in a day? And I think he asked it because he knew the answer, it could. Could a city be saved in a day? We're gonna see in the scriptures that cities were saved in a day. So in Acts 3, there were um, the lame man, Peter and Paul went to pray. He began to walk at the gate, beautiful. 5,000 were added to the church that day after that miracle. So a miracle happens 
at the, at the gate beautiful. A lame man begins to walk. They all knew him. He sat there every day. He sat there. He was, I know our weather's too cold to have homeless that are there in a certain spot every day. But if you lived in California, some of you who've transported here from California, it's real. Like they have their spot and they're there every day. And um, this man was there every day. But because of the miracle and the testimony of that, 5,000 were added. Acts 4, Peter and John boldly proclaimed the gospel. And then we're going to look at verse 31. Remember, I'm not hitting them all. I'm just looking through some. And we're going to um, move quickly. <laughs> so verse 31. They prayed boldly, and the place that they were at shook. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The place shook, and they're filled again with the Holy Spirit and power. In verse 32, believers were in one in heart and mind. They shared everything. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus. They were together in power. The apostles continued to testify the resurrection of Jesus. And it says on in that chapter that there were no needy among them. I love the scripture Ted shared for offering. Like, I want to see that kind of abundance in the church that, you know what? We're good. That's amazing. It's just, I can't even comprehend how awesome that is. You know, today, in, they do statistics on Christianity all the time. And they say that only 3% of us share our faith. 3%. 97% of Christians aren't sharing the faith. What if that tipped to be 97% of us share our faith? What would happen in our cities if that shifted? Things would change. All right, Acts 5. Ananias and Sapphiah, I can't say your name, were killed <laughs> because they were just struck dead supernaturally. But many signs and wonders happened in Acts 5. Many men and women were saved. Sick were laid on the streets, on beds and mats, and Peter's shadow would pass and all would be healed. I want you to think of that picture. They laid on the ground, beds and mats, and as Peter walked past, just his shadow touching them, they were totally healed and restored. What does that look like? Have any of you ever studied revivalists? Have you ever looked at Amy Simple McPherson? How train loads of sick would come and stop and they'd all be laid out literally on mats and in beds and then they would, the people would minister with Amy would just go one to one on down. And there was just like some of the pictures show just as long as you can see just bodies that needed healing. And God began to move supernaturally in her ministry. Supernaturally, what else happened in Acts 5? Remember, we're looking at miracles, signs, and wonders. Why? Because they make us wonder. I think it's just the awe and wonder of God. Other towns then gathered the sick and the demon-possessed, and they were healed. So word's starting to spread. Hey, things are happening. God's moving in Fargo, North Dakota. Word starts to spread. And more come, more sick come, more demon-possessed. Supernaturally, they were taken out of jail. So I want us to look in Acts 5, just for a moment. Peter and the other um, apostles say in verse, uh, let's see, where am I at? Verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Wait a minute. 
Who are we gonna obey? No fear of man. They had like no fear of man. We must obey God, not man. They even declare it. We must obey God, not man. But let's go down to verse 32. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. The sharing and declaring the witness and the testimony of what God had done. They had seen um, God move mightily, many saved. They'd seen many signs and wonders take place, and they're testifying it. So go to verse 41. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They never stopped proclaiming it. There was something burning inside of them that they never quit. Even when the Sanhedrin comes against them, they thought, this is awesome. We're being persecuted. I can't imagine that whole rejoicing in that. They just stepped up rejoicing in that. And day after day, they went from house to house and they shared the gospel of Jesus. Acts 6. Am I, are you okay? We're cruising. I told you. I warned you. This is going to be fast today. We'll get to the real sermon at the end. But right now, you're, you're just getting the scripture verses. <laughs> so, Acts 6. Do you know, how many of you have looked how many chapters are in Acts right now? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, Acts 6. They laid hands on more men and women and prayed over them and sent them out. There was an impartation. I just wanted to share that because again and again in Acts, they lay hands on them and they're filled with the Spirit. They fast and pray and lay hands on them and then they send them out. And it, some people come to burning hearts and they're like, why do you lay hands on us when we come up and pray? This is why. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He said, lay hands and impart and send them out. And so they did. But verse seven says, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Large number of priests became obedient to the faith of Jesus. They switched from being Jewish people to being Christians. Even hits society. I want us, as we're looking through this, their society begins to change. Their religious leaders are being affected. You're gonna see government is affected by what the Christians are up to. And that's how it should be today. We should be the influencers in our society. He said we should rule and reign. He asked for us to do that, rule and reign with him. That's what it looks like, is we should be the ones setting the charge, influencing our city, influencing our nation and the world, because that's who he is. When he sets us on fire, we can't not share about him. All right, we're gonna look at Stephen, one of the people that they laid hands on. He was full of God's power and grace and performed great wonders and signs among the people. He performed great wonders and signs. This is like within a very short amount of time. I want you to know they laid hands on Stephen. He gets saved. He goes out and great signs and wonders start happening. It wasn't like, okay, he went through the 10-year discipleship program, and then he finished his ordination after four years, and now he can minister. It was nothing like that. They laid hands, they discipled him as much as they could, and they sent him out, and they started doing the works of the Lord. I'm not saying don't get discipled. I'm all about discipleship. I'm all about mentor mentoring. But what I'm saying is nothing should be holding any of us back. 
If you have something that says, well, I don't know enough. I don't know enough for the Bible. I don't know, I don't know if I, I know more than that person. It doesn't matter. This model that Jesus set up in the New Testament church, we're all hands on deck. Everyone who knows him and has him, them in their personal life, you're in. We're all called to do this. All right, verse 10. I'm cruising, I know. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. So Stephen's speaking, and the wisdom of the Spirit of God is on him. The Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might are characteristics of who God is. There's seven spirits of God that they talk about in Revelation and Ezekiel, and you'll bring them up in Isaiah, but those seven spirits, one of them is wisdom, and the wisdom of God was given to him to speak into people's lives. They couldn't stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him to speak. That Greek word of wisdom is Sophia. <laughs> it produces skill and comprehensive insight, Christian enlightenment, a right application of knowledge, insight into the true nature of things. Wisdom in the Bible always seems to be coupled with knowledge. They have wisdom and knowledge. And divine wisdom is he just drops it in you. You have understanding that you never had before. So all hands on deck and you feel like I'm disqualified because I don't know enough. You know what? He's bigger than that. He drops wisdom, divine wisdom in us, just like he did for Stephen. So when the Sanhedrin um, were giving false accusations against Stephen, in verse 15, I want you to look at this. Something crazy happened. It's definitely a sign. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. They saw his face change to, I don't know, what does it mean? Did it shine? Did it glow? Who knows? But it was the face of an angel is how they described it. Something happened as they were listening to him. Do you think that they had to know that this was God? They had to have known. It was a sign to them. It caused them to wonder. It was a wonder. Acts 7, when Stephen is being stoned, he goes on and he does this incredible sermon. He, he speaks into their life, telling and explaining Jesus and who he was and who the Lord is and that talking about the holiness of God and on and on. And then they stone him. <laughs> In verse 40, 55, it says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, as he's being stoned, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. What a testimony. They were saying that the Son of God had not come and that he hadn't died and rose again and is in eternity. But what does Stephen see as he's dying? He sees the heavens open and he sees Jesus standing there. They had to shake in awe and wonder. And then it continues. He fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this against them. While he said that, he died. I can't imagine. Okay, being stoned is not a fun way to go. I've told you my story of my friend Brad who was being stoned in Africa when he was preaching at a village and they were coming at him and what he said is it hurts. It hurts really bad. These rocks are, big rocks are being whipped at you and it hurts. <laughs> and as he was being stoned in this village in Africa, he's like, Jesus, I just got saved about eight months ago, I think it was, and you send me to Africa and I'm getting stoned. 
And as he said that, Jesus put this supernatural wall up and the stones just started bouncing off. And as he was there, the whole village got saved. Does this stuff still happen today? It does. You guys, he's on the move. He still moves in our behalf today. Brad will be with us in April. He's a fun one. Remember Brad Holt. So, Acts 8. We're cruising. (laughs) The believers now are scattered because of the persecution. So, the best thing that happened was persecution for the gospel. Because as they got scattered, it went to all the places of the earth. It started to move. The gospel began to move. It wasn't in the central location anymore. They're getting persecuted, so they start going places. So Philip is the next guy on the scene we're going to talk about. And he sees salvation, signs and wonders performed, deliverances. He sees paralyzed and the lame healed. He begins to walk in these things. Signs and wonders are following him. Both men and women are saved and baptized. There's many great signs and wonders in Acts 8. You guys have a lot of homework this week, don't you? But an angel speaks to Philip in verse 26. And let's look there. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. What did the angel do? He gave him direction. He told him where to go. You guys, all of a sudden, he had this knowing of, I need to go here, right? Supernatural, right? God shows up. He gives him an angel to speak to him where to go. So he's moving and he's, Philip and the Ethiopians are cruising along. In verse 39, we're going to go to. As they traveled along the road, they came, um, I guess I'm at verse 36, to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? He just shared the good news. Philip shared the good news with him about Jesus. He accepts Christ. And he goes, what can stop me from being baptized? Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip was baptized. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Okay. First of all, God tells him where to go. He goes. He has a divine appointment. I want divine appointments. I've been asking God every day. I want a divine appointment. He has this divine appointment. The man gets saved. He stops. He goes and gets baptized. And this one little sentence, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him again. I don't get it. All of a sudden, Philip's there, and he's not. So is he transported? I mean, he was gone. And where did he land? He landed somewhere else. He peered in Azatos, I don't know how to say it, and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So he was transported a pretty large distance. And when you look on those maps, there are maps in your Bible. They're fun to look at once in a while. If you look at where he was transported to, it is a distance. He's there and then he's not. Okay, signs and wonders. I don't understand, but God moves. And when he moved and brought him there, people start getting saved. They start getting discipled and everything changes. Are we in Acts Church? Are we walking in this? The next one is Saul and his conversion to become Paul as we know him. And as I was studying this, I felt the most challenged by Paul's life. 
I have all, you were always challenged by Paul's life. His writings, we read it in the scriptures all the time. But as you're reading about his conversion and his tenacity for the gospel and no fear of man, absolutely no fear of man, he doesn't even live in the culture of that day. Literally, he's of another world. <laughs> like he's just, once he gets saved, he is not a person of this world. And I'm listening and I'm, as I'm reading this and studying this, I'm like, God, make me more like this. Any hold I have on this world, I want it to die. I think his life that he gave, as we read these few scriptures, I want us to be challenged by his life. So he's the one that's persecuting and killing all the Christians. His name is Saul. He's killing and persecuting both men and women. He's throwing them into jail, the ones who belong to the way, which were called, they are the Christians. And he, on his journey, he has a supernatural encounter in verse three. And the light from heaven flashed around him. He heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul says, who are you, Lord? First of all, he has this encounter. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He's like, who are you, Lord? I think he knew who it was. I always I think that's the weirdest thing. He answers his question, who are you, Lord? <laughs> he knew who it was. Who it was. He, he knew what was going on. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But Jesus is gracious enough to say, yep, you're right, it's me. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. He was blind and he went up, he got up and he went into the city. Then Ananias in that city has a vision from the Lord where the Lord calls him in verse 10, Ananias, yes, Lord, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Ananias is a Christian. He has this encounter with God. Can you imagine how scary that would be? Now go to the man who's been killing and persecuting and throwing everyone in prison and go and pray for him in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I can't imagine the fear that it would have caused. He was scared because he'd heard of Saul. And goes on to talk about it. God responds again. He says, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim the name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. He goes there. He's not delivering the easiest message, is he? You're gonna suffer for the name of Jesus. He finds him at the house and he lays hands on him. And he, he sees, his eyes are open. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Scales fall off his eyes. He got up and he was water baptized. He stayed with the disciples and began preaching in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. One encounter away. That is an incredible encounter he had. And all of a sudden, his whole life shifts from I am persecuting, I'm killing. He was zealous. It says he was zealous about it. And then all of a sudden, I'm fully for Jesus. Because why? I encountered him. <clears throat> Let's look at... Um, on in chapter nine. Let's see here. I'm watching time, you guys. <laughs> so Peter prayed with a man who had been um, bedridden for eight years. He was paralyzed and he got up. In verses 34 and verses 35, it says... 
Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately he got up and all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. All who lived in that region, in those two cities, did what? Turned to the Lord because of that testimony. One supernatural testimony happens and they all turn to the Lord. It says all, not just a few, not just one or two, all. Do you guys know what you carry? You carry Christ in you, the hope of glory. You carry his presence. As you pray for people and as you ask God to use you in any, any capacity that he has for you today, what can happen? Our whole city could be saved, all. Not just two or three, but all. He raised the bar when he birthed the New Testament church. What happened to us? <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's 2019 and we are over here and we need to get back to how he set church. Acts 10. Cornelius has a vision of an angel and God says, this is in verse four, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. And then he said, send someone to get Simon. Simon will bring a message through which you and all your household will be saved. Do you get that? An angel, he has a vision of an angel. Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Don't tell me what we do on earth doesn't matter there. It does, you guys. And he gave to the poor and that he prayed and he had this life given out to God. And he said, this came up as a memorial offering. What? Something supernatural. Cornelius earnestly desired to know God. And it says that he and his whole household will be saved. When it says that, it's the word sozo, which is only used a few times past the Gospels. And sozo, which you know if you go to this church, means they were saved, they were healed, they were set free, and they were made whole. So when he and his whole household get saved in Acts 10 and 11, everything happened. They were fully healed. They were fully restored. They were fully changed. In verse 10 through 25, Peter goes into this trance and he sees he, he um, saw heaven open and something like a large sheet come down, comes down and he said, God says, kill and eat. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And so foods that Jewish people could not eat came down on the sheet and they went, oh my word, I can eat these now. Thank you. If you like shrimp, be thankful. It came down. <laughs> but if you like pigs, be thankful. If you like bacon, yes, it came down. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> for those meat eaters, came down on the sheet. But God, I want, the thing that was so supernatural was he put him in a trance. What does that look like? All of a sudden he's unaware of what's going on around him. He's in this trance seeing this vision multiple times. And then in chapter 10, verses 44 through 48, it's really a pivotal point in the New Testament church. Gentiles getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized. So Peter shares the gospel of Jesus as he's speaking in verse 44. It says, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. They were Gentiles. Gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on all. They began speaking in tongues and praising God. Up to this point, they thought it was only for the Jewish people, right? A lot of people did. 
but it's for the Jews and the Gentiles, it's for all. Then he travels to Antioch, and he spoke to Greeks and told them the good news of Jesus. A great number believed in the Lord. So then he goes to the Greeks. And then in verse 11, verses 27 through 28, are we still good? All right. (laughs) During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them was named um, Agabus. He stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. It was fulfilled. So I wanted to highlight that because there's, you may all prophesy, the Bible says. And the gifts of the spirit is, we're gonna go through the gifts of the spirit, but prophecy is one of them. But this is a person who's ministering as a prophet, and that's the office of a prophet. So some of you are like, what does that mean? The gifts of Christ are pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, and apostle. And this man was a minister as a prophet. And he came down and gave him this directional word. It's not the gift of the spirit, ye may all prophesy. It's the office of a prophet. So I just wanted to clarify that. That's a little bunny trail, but it helps, right? Acts 12, when Peter's put in jail, the church earnestly prays for God to move for him. And then let's read in Acts 12, verses 7 through 11. What happens after the church is earnestly praying? Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. The centurion stood guard at the entrance, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and the light shone on his cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. So suddenly an angel appears, the light shows up, and he's still not awake. So he hits him in the side, wake up, quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Can you imagine what that would look like? You're all bound and shackled, and they just fall off. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. He didn't realize this was real. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen to me. He was supernaturally set free. What does that look like when the body of believers start to pray? In the beginning of the chapter, it says, and the church earnestly prayed to God for him to move in his behalf. When I watch the news and I see the Syrian Christians being persecuted and killed and drug out of homes, literally, what does it look like when we pray? You guys, your prayers are effective and powerful, the scriptures say. They can set people free. This week we had a class on um, intercession in discipleship school, and we, as last week actually, and heard some words that actually coincided with some things that were happening in the political realm, and now a week later, things shifted into the right direction in Northern Ireland, and it was the word that the Lord gave for us as discipleship school to pray over, and it was really cool to see God's hand within a week move. Your prayers are powerful and effective. They can change things. All right, we're going to have to do part two next week. (laughs) 
as I watched the time here. I, I'm well aware. So, Acts 13. Is that okay, Pastor Chris? <laughs> All right. Acts 13, the gospels preached to Paul and Barnabas, and almost the whole city gathered to hear. Many believed and were saved. And the word of the Lord spread through that whole region, and the disciples were filled with that continuous joy in the Holy Spirit, like I talked about last week. They were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit continuously. In Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas um, spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. In verse eight, a lame man from birth heard Paul speak and the men jumped up and began to walk. And then it says, Paul, after being stoned, went to the city and preached the gospel and won a large number of disciples. His life was fully given, everything. He's stoned, they think him, they leave him for dead. He gets up, what does he do? He goes back for more. He goes back and he begins to preach the gospel again and a large number get saved and are beginning to be discipled. We'll pick up in Acts 16 next week. Things that I've learned. Without miracles, we don't have a life of faith, do we? We need miracles to have a life of faith. We're called to bring heaven on earth and only do what we see the Father doing. They gave an incredible roadmap in Acts of how they watched and listened to God. They stepped into visions. They had dreams in the night. We'll talk more next week about certain things that happened. But they followed what God asked them to do. When he said to go, they went. When they said to get up after being stoned and go preach the gospel, he did it. They did what the Father was doing just like Jesus taught us in John 15. Miracles brought about repentance. Sometimes people say, well, why do we need signs and wonders and miracles? Why did the new church need it? It's what brought salvation. It brought repentance. It brought a holiness to the people. That's what it brought. That's why we need it. People saw miracles, signs, and wonders, and they believed in Jesus. And also that miracles followed the believers. So again and again, it said they preached the gospel, and then signs and wonders happened. They just followed them everywhere they went. It was just normal. It was normal life for them in Acts. I know 2019, we're over here, but I want us to begin to shift our mind to what does it look like to be a New Testament church? Many coming to Jesus was their normal occurrence on a daily basis. I celebrate what happened at Fields of Faith. There are literally a lot of people that got saved. We don't know the number, but a lot of people gave their life to Jesus that night at NDSU. But what does it look like if we live like that every day? The city would be changed. Endurance is a key in living in a miracle culture. <laughs> the most difficult piece is waiting for your miracle to happen, isn't it? That endurance, that tenacity, that total given to Jesus. It's battling your mind and just remembering he's always good. Even when we don't see the miracle yet, we know he's still working. I love that song, The Waymaker. We must settle that God is good and that hold on to that fact that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. All things. We must pursue holiness and righteous living to become more like Jesus. Quick to repent and give our hearts just to him. 
in the scriptures and Acts, that was one thing they were quick to do. They were new believers. They were being discipled all over. And just think the rapidness of how many people getting saved. Literally, if you're saved a day, then you're good to disciple because you know a day more than that guy knew. And they would disciple. And you know what? There are times where they had to repent. They had to pursue holiness and holy living. God wants us to represent him. He wants us to represent God like what Jesus did. Jesus showed us the way. He showed us what it looks like. And then I mentioned it. In Acts, it affected all areas. It affected government. It affected the religious leaders. It affected businessmen and women. They were getting saved. It affected like the working class. It affected students. It affected philosophers. And it affected literally kings of nations. That's the effect they had. It was everywhere in their society just being spread out what God was doing. You know, our statement that we have is pursue God's presence, serve one another, and love the lost. I really think that's acts. They pursued God with everything in them. They were filled with the Spirit. They loved one another well. They, it says they, you know, they broke bread together again and again. It says that. And they loved lost. Even onto their own deaths, they loved them. They would die for this. Three things as I was praying into this today, I really felt the three things God wanted to do in our response time right now is he wants us to pray for miracles and I wanna pray for households being saved, that prodigals would come home, that those in your family that don't know him yet, whole households were saved. That's aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas. When they had households, they meant their whole tribe was saved. And I want us to ask ourselves one step closer this week to being an Acts church. What does that look like for you personally? And I want God to speak to each one of us. So is anyone in this room need a miracle? Like you're like, unless God shows up, it's not happening. All right, I want you guys to stand up. We have a lot of people who, let's just encourage them because they are bold in standing up. <laughs> you know what? We are desperate for miracles, you guys. All right, prayer team. The New Testament church, go find someone and lay hands on them, begin to pray. Ask them what's wrong, what miracle they need, and if they want to share, pray specifically into it. So let's go pray over these miracles. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.